Welcome to the Grace Story Podcast, where inspiring stories are brought to life. This podcast is made possible by Grace College and Seminary, located on the shores of Winona Lake in the great state of Indiana. I'm your host, Dr. Drew Flam. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Brant Hansen. He's an author, nationally syndicated radio host, and advocate for healing children with correctable disabilities through Cure International. He's won multiple Personality of the Year awards for his work on his offbeat and quirky radio show, which airs on more than 200 stations. His podcast with his friend and radio producer, Cheryl Lynn, the Brant and Sherry Oddcast, has been downloaded millions of times. He leverages his platform to advance the healing work of Cure, a global ministry of hospitals and programs that offer healing for children. His first book, Unoffendable, has prompted a national discussion on the idea of forgiveness and our culture's embrace of self-righteous anger, which we'll talk about more in this podcast. His second book, with the provocative and very personal, Blessed Are the Misfits, great news for those who are introverts, spiritual strugglers, or just feel like they're missing something. In this book, he addresses the inability to feel God's presence that many of us experience and how God himself might feel about that. He speaks to groups, conferences, and churches all over the place and has written for CNN, Washington Post, U.S. News and World Report, Relevant, and numerous other outlets on matters like culture, sports, policy, Asperger's syndrome, and faith. He's traveled extensively for cure and visiting children and women all over the world. He's been married for 27 years to Carolyn, and they have two grown children. Brant, welcome to the Grace Story Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you uh, for sharing your time with us and with your with our students over these next couple days. And um, you know, your your radio show may have a few more listeners than the Grace Story Podcast. (laughs) So we're kind of hoping you shoot us into a into a new realm here. But how did you get into this whole radio speaker? author thing. Yeah, um, well, the radio thing, I wanted to be a play-by-play guy. I, I was totally fixated on baseball statistics. We talked about our mutual love for the Cardinals. We love the Cardinals, yes. but I was all about stats. And so I would compile stats, simulate stats, come up with my own algorithms for stats. Wow. I was all about sabermetrics back in the 80s, which is way ahead of the time. And um, that's all I cared about. My mom was actually worried. She's like, you need friends. You need to interact with girls. You need to do <laughs> stuff. But that's all I cared about was compiling stats. And I wanted to be a play-by-play guy. Well, I played baseball for eight years, organized uh-huh. baseball. I never got a hit. I went 0 for eight years. And it's because I can't see very well. I have a neurological condition called nystagmus. It makes my eyes move back and forth and around. And I, um, I couldn't see the ball. And it didn't dawn on me until I was like a senior in college that I was not going to be able to be a play-by-play man. If I can't see the ball on the field, how am I going to describe the action uh, when I'm just guessing yep. from a play-by-play booth? So I wound up uh, getting a degree in broadcast journalism and then was a newsman part-time. And so it went from there. They kind of left me on longer and longer when I was doing news on an FM station because people thought I was goofy or funny or something. And then... uh I wound up just being kind of left by myself, by management on the air by myself. So I never intended to be a host, but that's how it's worked out. You know, and you you have your own unique style. 
Um, would you say that that's something like you honed and developed, or would you say that's just what God implanted in you and it it came out when a microphone was put in front of you? Well, I think it's I think it's the latter, because I was always creeped out. I don't know if you can identify with this, but I don't want somebody on the radio to be talking to me like a radio person. Uh, I didn't. I never wanted to hear. Well, you know, it's coming up. But it's going to be uh, <laughs> you know sixty eight today. With a high. like, why are you talking that way? If you did that in person, it would be so annoying. So it always creeped me out if I would listen back to myself and I sounded like a different person. And I think that's the unique style is like I'm myself. And it doesn't sound polished. It doesn't sound, I've had people call. When I started at a big national network, people would actually <laughs> – sorry. People actually <laughs> call to complain because they're like, you guys, why don't you hire somebody with some experience, they were saying. Like I had experience, but I didn't sound polished. Yeah. Well, but – a lot of people are like me, I think, where they actually want just genuine friends and not some sort of a presentation. Hmm. So there's enough anyway that it works. It's still bracing to people at first. They're hmm. like, what's the deal with this guy? But it works, I think, because people genuinely are starved, honestly, for relationship. So, so yeah. They want to see that genuineness come through. And yeah, something like that. It, it, what is, um, you know, you talk about some of uh, your struggles growing up, your Asperger syndrome, and I'd like a, to hear a little bit of your story, especially how you get from there to, I mean, putting yourself on the radio is something, especially if you're going to be yourself, you got to have a lot of confidence to just like throw yourself out there. Uh, knowing that you're going to be criticized, right. you're going to be critiqued. Right. That's what people do when they listen to media, listen to the radio. So uh, how did you get from that journey of sure. some inconfidence as a kid and, yeah. and Asperger's syndrome to like, I'm myself on the radio? I'm still not super confident. Um, but the weird thing about being on the radio, and the same thing goes with comedians. If you ever interview comedians, oh, yeah. done a yeah. lot of that. Like We're talking about introverts. Largely, a lot of the people or comedians, or I would say who are good on, it doesn't mean I'm good or that all introverts are good on the radio, but I just mean a lot of the most accomplished radio people or performers are introverts. Mm. And I think it's because of lack of confidence. For instance, if I'm in a small talk situation, I have no confidence, I'm very nervous, I feel awkward, I've gotten better at covering that over mm. time. I've adapted. But um, when you still have something you want to say, it's much easier to be in control of it. And that means if I'm on the radio, it's largely by myself or just with one other person in the room. And I'm in control of the conversation. Yeah. Same thing with doing performance. Like as a comedian, if somebody's standing doing stand-up comedy, you're controlling it. So you're getting a chance to express yourself, but now it's on my terms. Mm. So. The, the truth is I think a lot of people who aren't confident become performers because of that. Because I'm not, I don't understand what people are looking for with small talk. I don't get it. That is part of Asperger's. I wanna go deep immediately. I wanna know what makes people tick. I'm a good listener because of that. I deeply care. I'm fascinated by people. I wanna know. Mm. Um, but I don't know how to do the little thing where we just kinda go through this thing. I just don't get it. Mm -hmm. So. At any rate, I think you'll find that with a lot of people. Uh, there's there's a brokenness there um, that manifests itself, strangely enough, in being a better performer. The other thing I think that's interesting is a lot of folks on the autism spectrum do have artistic ability. Uh, same thing, obviously, with introverts. There's an artistic mindset. And I think you'll find, interestingly, as an aside, a lot of people who are good on the radio or good comedians are musicians. 
Hmm. There's a musical element to it. It's pitch. That creative outlet, yeah. It's rhythm, it's margin, it's space, it's how I say it, it's intonation. These are all musical auditory concepts. So somebody who has a musical bent um, can do better on the radio or be on stage. And I'm not, I'm not a polished musician, but I can play a few instruments and I'm moved by music. So, mm-hmm. and I've done some of that. You do some songwriting as yeah, well, right? Yeah, songwriting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, guitar, piano. I play the flute, strangely enough. But it's like all of that, I think, can help you do this, um, even if you're really awkward in person. Yeah. So you mentioned Asperger's. Give us kind of the um, 60 second version of what that is for, for those listening. Sure. It's Now it's just referred to as being um, high-functioning autism is what it's called. We're on the autism spectrum disorder. Um, the main problem, I feel, is social. It comes with interpreting people's body language. It comes with um, communicating the right body language. And I'm not good at either one. And it's a real challenge for people to fit in. I feel like we have some real strengths because if we have Asperger's, mm. I think, again, it helps me as a writer. It helps me see absurdity because I don't understand why humans do what they do. I just have to adapt. But that helps because you become this in a strange observational yes. sense. Also, I think most people with Asperger's, most people with autism usually have some almost superpower, some command over something. It might be an esoteric something. It might be something we don't see immediately. And then it comes out when they're 25, like, oh, my gosh, he can he can draw a skyline of Manhattan from memory. I, I remember seeing that guy. Yeah, I did 20, that. Yeah. It just jumped into my mind. <laughs> my son is on the spectrum, and he's really, 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 really gifted at some stuff. Hmm. And so he just graduated from Berkeley. He was a top student in his wow. department at Berkeley, and now the government's using his his – smarts and um he plans to be a brain surgeon already took the mcat top one percent on the mcat oh my he wasn't a science major really so (laughs) but he has problems just like i do picking up on people's what makes people do what they do this doesn't make any sense sure so that's really the biggest problem i know i went over 60 seconds but that really is the the biggest issue is mainly social yeah Yep. And you've had this message. I mean, we're all God's image bearers, right? And yes. so we, we need to, um, those uniquenesses are gifts as well. Um, and, and, and we need to be loving those. And, and that's probably one of the reasons your son has been so successful is because you have cultivated that instead of saying, no, you need to be, you need to be like the mainstream. And that's, yeah, I, I love differences. I love it. And again, I think it's usually, usually accompanied by some really interesting superpower. That's awesome. Even if it's not, that's okay. But it's like, this just makes people interesting. Yep, yep. And I'm drawn to that. Like, why wouldn't you want to talk to interesting people? The other thing is, it's not just like, I know, like you said, it's a great way to put it. We're all image bearers. There's also this thing with God, and I've been learning more about disability from some of my work with Cure, which you, you mentioned, but they these are this is a ministry to kids that have disabilities in different countries. But, like, God chooses these people. Hmm. He's not neutral on it. Like, well, we're all the same. No, no, no. This is his, like, his his starting lineup. Like, we, we have an identification with the Cardinals. So I see the Cardinals logo, and there's probably some part of my brain that lights up. Like, because that's my team. I identify with them. Mm-hmm. It's clear to me that the, the, the Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is God identifies with these people. And he uses them. 
And if you think for one second, you know, that, well, I'm little, I'm gifted, I'm talented, I'm, you know, I kind of got it together. Like, guess what? You're not, that's mm. not who we're talking about. He chooses the underdog. He chooses the person who's got a weakness because then when his will is accomplished, he gets the credit. Yes. So I run into resistance on that. I talk about that some with church groups because they're like, no, God, the talented, the excellent, the, you know, David, look at David. Like David was the runt of the litter. <laughs> God intentionally picked him because he wasn't yes. all of that. And routinely we see God using the people that have these supposed weaknesses so that his strength is made obvious. Hmm. So I, I don't think he's just neutral on this disability thing or just different issues of his struggles, weaknesses. Like he's the, the, the glory of this is that we get to see his image all the more because he identifies with people like that yes. and uses them. And we all have, and you talk, you talk about this, but we all, all have weaknesses. True, yes. Which means like our position should always be a position of humility because that's that's when God's ready to work with us. Totally. I was thinking about talking about this um, to students tomorrow when we're recording. And I've got a thing tomorrow here at Grace. But it's kind of about that. Like I remember looking at the cereal box when I was growing up. Like you'd, you'd, you'd eat cereal and I'd, I'd argue with my brother about, I want to read the box because we didn't have phones. Um, <laughs> but it would say calcium and iron and zinc and whatever. When I'm like, that's really weird. I was just eating. I was going, that's really weird. It's like rocks. And what, what are we really eating? And the truth is you are eating rocks because you're made out of rocks. Uh-huh. Like it's just replacing the dust that you're made out of. Like, so who in the world can look at themselves and go, I'm, you have limited potential because you've got this issue, but mm-hmm. I'm unlimited. Like, dude, you are walking dust that's here for a, a time that's like a vapor. And you don't, in the, in the scheme of the universe, for you to be like, I control things hmm. is ridiculous. The earth itself is in a speck of a galaxy that's not significant. In the, in the, in the, other, in the scheme of things, without God, yes. like for somebody to go, I'm significant, you're just a, you're a speck. And it's a short-lived one at that. So for people to look at other people and go, well, they've got limitations. Hmm. Like, who the heck do you think you are? I mean, we, it's just a matter of degree and not only degree, but like certain areas. Yeah, yeah. So we, you that's know, awesome. There's there's reason for I mean, human means humility. It means is it really like yes. the definition of it? It's from it's from like like a hummus, uh. like the ground, dirt. That's what it means. So we're all made out of dirt. We're all made out of dust. For somebody to look at somebody else and go, yeah, these people have limitations. Yes. I, like, no, we're all extremely limited. And we should we should take note of that and then be humble because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So. And yet, like you said, it's not a woe is me. You know, I'm, I'm just dust. It's a no, you're, you're dust. But God wants to use you. Totally. Like, which makes you like, superhuman and right. super powerful <laughs> totally it's it's both and yeah like, and look how he loves this dust yeah and yeah. look how he brings it to life he quickens it like he breathes into it like it's a miracle so now you're a walking miracle that's made out of zinc and and iron and all that stuff that needs to replenish it by eating you know cat and crunch <laughs> but that's amazing so, but frosted it, flakes in my case, but yes, well, I understand. I totally understand. <laughs> but that's and they're great. That's my understanding. <laughs> Amen. So, but that's that's one of those things. Like, uh, it's it's both and. It's we have a reason for humility. Yeah. And we could leave it there, but the truth is, that's not the end of the story. Like he created us and said, "This is good," and we are his image bearers. And he he did breathe on us. Like 
and he loves us and wants wants to be around us. Mm -hmm. How amazing is that? I want to talk a little bit about chapel, which you're here to speak in chapel. Mm -hmm. Um, Today you spoke this morning, uh, and then you're speaking tomorrow at a really special chapel, what I want to, which I want to get into as well. But today, um, you you brought a brought a message that relates to your first book. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit about um, the the book, why you wrote it, and and the message you shared today in chapel. Sure thing. So you should know this because ninety nine percent of the people who hear me describe the book will disagree with the premise, and I understand. So I have to. I get it. Please have an open mind on this. Please, please bear in mind that God may want us to change our minds occasionally to grow. Yeah. Otherwise, we can't grow. But I would like you to entertain the idea, uh, this is what I wrote the book about, that there is no such thing as righteous anger in the Bible. We always think there is. I grew up thinking there was. Um, humans are supposed to have righteous anger. Our My anger is righteous. It's not in the Bible. You can't find it. And actually, we're told repeatedly that anger is foolishness or destructive, or it's like a it's like a fire that's going to take us all out. God's anger is righteous in the Bible, no question. Hmm. Jesus clears out the temple; he was no, he's sinless, and we're not. Instead, what we're supposed to do is forgive people radically, because God forgave us. He could be very angry with us; he's not. He took out his anger on himself. So I love sharing this message. It's a little counterintuitive, and it's very countercultural because now our culture, because we believe in righteous anger, everybody the, the culture's full of it. Yeah, it's including the more the more pagan the culture gets, the more righteously angry it gets, which mm. is interesting to me. Wow. So we all are righteously angry. Well, now as a believer, I realize that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be forgiving people actively. It's not relativism. Hmm. It's not saying there's no such thing as right and wrong. In fact, I was thinking this morning, the relativistic viewpoint would be that I should be righteously angry about that, but not this. Like, so I pick sins to your sin, but not mine. Right. Um, The fact that we're supposed to forgive forgive everyone acknowledges there is such a thing as right and wrong. Um, But look what Christ did on the cross, and I have to to embody that every day. Hmm. So I go into the day, it's called unoffendable, I go into the day thinking, today I'm not going to be offended because I understand what people are like, and I know what it means to forgive people. I'm going to walk in this. It's a, it's a lifestyle. So that's what the book is about. Man, that's unbelievable. And uh, I resonate with the message because I need it. Right? We all do, totally. Um, so give give me some like practical, like I open up my email. Yeah. Um, I open up my, you know, Twitter. I turn on the TV and watch the news. Totally. We, we, oh my goodness, literally yeah. this week we had what impeachment. We had state of the <laughs> union. I mean, there's so many things that like, you know, and, and anger is an oh. emotional reaction, yeah. right? I mean, it's just one second you're calm. The next second, ugh. for me, it may, might be my three little kids at times. Um, totally. But, so like, give me like the practical, like you got it. whatever it is, it hits me. Like, what do I do in that moment? Well, Anger as a flash is understandable. what happens. It's supposed to be for fight or flight. So you got all these physical things that happen in your body, but um, you can't forgive people and stay angry at them. It doesn't mm. make sense. And we have to forgive people. And this is, this is something I mentioned. I did like a little TED talk on this. And so I'm talking to people who aren't believers necessarily. And there's benefits to this lifestyle. Don't get me wrong. But I had to tell them like the resource for this for me is my Christianity. I don't forgive people because they deserve it. Hmm. Whatever your political bent, you could watch the State of the Union address and say, I can't believe what she did, or I can't believe what he did, 
I'm so angry about this. But the purpose for my, and the reason for my forgiving other people isn't because they deserve it. Like she apologized or he apologized or he repented or she, now I can forgive. No, I forgive people because I didn't deserve it and God forgave me anyway. And if I'm going to bear his image, I'm going to be like him. I have to pray, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As infuriating as they might be. So you will get infuriated. It will happen. You might, as you get older, get better at it. Things are become less threatening, or you like I've seen that before. Like it's people, you know. Um, but it will still happen. There'll be flashes of it. But you have to enter into this thing. God forgave me. It has to be this focus again on yourself of what God has forgiven you for. If you don't start there, I don't know what the resource is. Hmm. It's going to be constant grinding. It's going to be constantly turning on Fox or MSNBC and getting fired up about your particular issue, your thing. I've got lots of political convictions, too. Um, and I can sit there and grind all day about it and pat myself on the back for being righteously angry. But the problem is I'm forgetting what has God forgiven me for, and those people are no worse. Hmm. Ultimately, I guess we're saying we do think that other people are worse than us, but if you read the Sermon on the Mount and you take Jesus' words seriously, he levels the playing field. You're not. Right. In fact, he keeps warning—that's self-righteousness. And that's the thing that will separate you from God without you even knowing about hmm. it. You won't even know it. Like, if you're doing an obvious sin, you know it. But if it's something like self-right—he keeps warning us about it, because that'll be the thing that separates us forever from him without us even realizing it. So I would say just practically, you start the day there with your own brokenness and thankfulness that God's been so good to you. Mm-hmm. That he's been willing to forgive you for all the stuff that's in your heart, things you never had the guts to do, but you thought about. You don't get credit for that. Like, well, I never did this. Yeah, but you wanted to. You just do chicken. <laughs> you know? So Jesus levels that playing field. I love that. But that's got to be the starting point each day to go, I'm good. Before I open up this email, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna forgive these people in real time because they're broken. I know it. This shouldn't be a surprise to me. And look what God's done for me. So that is uh, that'll preach right there, Thanks. which it did this morning. Oh, so, good, good, good. thank you for sharing that message. And uh, I want to ask one other question about this, which is like, uh, why? Like, what was the thing that happened or that you saw that made you go, "We should be unoffendable. We should be," you know, this whole righteous anger thing is a is a farce. Like, what was the impetus for that? Well, I was thinking it was on the air, but I. I get a lot of complaint email just from being on the air. It's mass media. I get a lot of nice things too. Um, but I was like hearing all my radio compatriots be constantly like, can you believe this person said that? All oh, these judgmental people, all oh, this Pharisee, all these people, can you believe? Like after a couple of years, they're like, maybe we should believe it. Like maybe there's a lot of people out there who are judgmental because that's our nature and we're talking to humans. And how long are we supposed to be angry at these people? Do we just stay angry the rest of our careers? How long? And then I thought, well, when, how long are we supposed to stay angry in general? Like, I've heard about righteous anger. How long is that supposed to, like, two weeks? Hmm. Well, you know, <laughs> till the next election? Eight years? When, when do we actually do the forgiving part? Because you can't stay angry and say you're forgiving somebody. So uh, I just I started looking in the Bible, and I couldn't find where we're supposed to stay angry. In, f- in fact, it says get rid of it before the sun goes down. Um, so... Every mention of human anger in the Bible associates it with foolishness. Like anger resides in the lap of a fool, for instance, it says in 
Proverbs. There's no positive Proverbs about anger. There's nothing that says be angry except that one half verse, it'll say, in your anger, do not sin. And then the rest of the verse is, and get rid of your anger before the sun goes down, which is acknowledging my thesis. But I just, I found that to be true. So that's why I I wrote Mm. the book about it. And interestingly, I thought really good theologians would come along and just totally crush me. I was ready for that. (laughs) Like, surely I don't know what I'm talking about, but it hasn't happened. And Thankfully, the book has sold like 100,000 copies. Wow. Is, yeah, I did not expect that. It's amazing. That. I was thinking 9,000, 10,000 would be like, sweet. Um, and again, no one has come along to go, ah, this dude's wrong scripturally. I haven't seen it. So maybe I am, but um, I can't find it. I still yeah. can't. Well, it's, it's a position, again, of humility. That's always a, a good position to take. I hope so. Yeah. I think it's a great message. Tomorrow you're speaking in chapel and we have in the room with us Dr. Cheryl Bremer, who's one of our education professors here at Grace, one of the rock star professors we have. Totally. Um, And she has worked with the Council of Exceptional Children here on campus, which is we have one of the best Council of Exceptional Children um, groups in the whole state of Indiana. She's just done an amazing job. And uh, she and her team do the Transition Exploration Day um, tomorrow. And so we'll have students from five different school districts who have various disabilities of different kinds, um, high schoolers coming to learn about what could be next. Um, But in the midst of that, you get to share a message with them and with our students, um, which is a a diverse audience um, to speak to. Um, But what an honor. And I think uh, we're so excited to be able to have you and have those students on our campus. What are some of the ideas that you're thinking you may share about to those students? I do want to talk about how my limits in my life have been blessings and just like talking about baseball friends well it couldn't be a baseball announcer but get but now i'm doing this and this is okay too you know or i couldn't be an athlete like my dad was a college athlete my brother was a collegiate athlete but so i didn't get to do that because of the stuff i wasn't able to do physically or Mm -hmm. well but now i'm thankful for that and there's a long list of things I'd been blocked from doing that chased me into exactly the right thing, I think. So I do want to talk about that, how God's freedom, in my opinion, like there, everybody has some closed doors, but the beauty of that is this, this open one leads to this huge freedom. Hmm. So you can say, oh, I don't have freedom. Well, no, 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 no. The best way to find freedom is through limitation. Even through just, just think about like practicing an instrument. Like uh, I like Coldplay, for instance, and that's that's lame, middle-aged guy music or whatever. <laughs> but but I mean, Chris Martin is a is a keyboard player, yeah, and he's good. But when he was a kid, he wanted to play foot, you know, English football, uh, soccer outside. Everybody's outside the window playing, and he's got to take lessons. And he hears them; they get to do what they want. Those kids get free; they're free to do whatever they want. They can go play. He's in there pounding away. Well, guess who's free to travel the world now? I mean, look at the freedom now. For somebody, you lose a little freedom, and you wind up gaining so much. Mm-hmm. So it's and it's by by tethering by binding yourself to the right things, like finding the right limitations and the right like. So anyway, I got to figure out how to say that in a certain way. But I was thinking about that, and I'm still kind of mulling it over. Yeah. It is such an honor, and this college is really killing it on this um, on this particular thing. And I think that speaks very well of the people who support this college. Big time. You should be very aware of what's happening with 
and how Christian, deeply, beautifully Christian it is to say, we, we welcome and value you, to flip it upside down instead of like so many schools just like we're looking for the hippest, hottest thing that we can brag about. Like, no, 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 that's not how the Christian thing works. And unfortunately, not enough are doing as much, um, but this college is. And churches are starting to get the point too, where to say this is a community of people that is that we can serve, hmm. and they believe me are close to the heart of God. And I would think that's where you'd want to go if you're somebody who's a Jesus follower to go. Yes. I want my heart to go where His heart is. Well, His heart is with these people. Yes. So, kudos to Grace College for doing this and continuing to emphasize it. I hope it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I hope other colleges too. They may be a little behind the curve. Um, relative to grace, but hopefully they can learn and go, hey, we're starting to get the big picture. Well, thank you for that. And again, the, the uh, compliments go to, to Dr. Bremer and her many, many students um, who get this. They College do. Students They're awesome. Who, who They're get sharp, this. too. I, I had lunch with them today, and I was, I was just commenting to Dr. Bremer about, man, why are they... 20% smarter than all the college students were when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did. I mean, you lived in Illinois. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, oh. you know. <laughs> oh, burn. So uh, how, how does this message relate to your most recent book, uh, Blessed Are the Misfits? Um, it has a lot to do. The Blessed Are the Misfits is mainly about spiritual misfits. Okay. But it is, like being introverted or analytical, sometimes you don't fit into church culture very easily. And being on the on the autism spectrum, a lot of things I look at and I go, I don't understand this. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Um, so that's mainly what the book is about. Uh, but it, it you definitely develop a heart f- for certain things, and I know a lot of people with Asperger's, for instance, ha- have a heart for little animals, for instance. Mm-hmm. And that might sound strange, but if I know somebody who's like a teenager, maybe a teenage guy, he's got, oh, he has got Asperger's. I bet you like animals, don't you? 90%, not always, but 90% of the time, like, yeah, I totally, he loves little animals. Like, me too. And I like little wounded things I want to help. Um, little, and I'm doing like, I'm helping little kids have disabilities in other countries. Mm. But that's, a lot of the people on the spectrum, for whatever reason, like just feel for the outcast and i think that's a real blessing like so i do think again i'm thankful for the asperger's i've had to learn to overcome a lot of stuff but it's also it comes with some things that give you a little bit of an insight into the way god works that i think is true like i don't think i'm making that up that he he aligns himself with the with the weak i know it's true and so a lot of us who are on the spectrum, we've already kind of got a little space for that. Yeah. So it does relate in that sense. And um, and I do talk about the challenges for somebody who has Asperger's or somebody who's analytical or doesn't quite fit in emotionally with the church. Like, how do we do community and how does why should we keep doing it? I resonated because I, I'm one of those people who... Uh, isn't a hand raiser, you know? Uh-huh. And so I, but at times I felt like I'm supposed to like, uh, right. you know, and then, <laughs> and then really... I'm feeling all, all I'm thinking about is like my hands up and this feels right. weird, I but I feel like I'm supposed to, cause they told me to put my hand out and, um, yep. I, and, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, what's wild though, is what prompted this book was I was speaking at this big church and I asked people cause the band was playing and they had like the fog and the lighting, you know, it was like, you know, awesome. 
and it was dark in there. It's like a concert. And it got done. I got up to speak. And I'm glad they let me be honest. But I was like, hey, I just wondered, can you raise your hand if you, during the, the song, the awesome band, they were awesome, but you felt like you weren't experiencing something. You're missing something like everybody else was experiencing. And more than half the people raised their hand. Wow. They're like, that's me. I'm, I don't know. So some people were having an emotional thing. That's great. Fantastic. Like, yeah. I can feel God's presence in this place. But what about the rest of us? We're kind of like, I don't know. Is something wrong with me spiritually? Because you you start to think there is. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to, to explain there's nothing wrong with you spiritually because you don't, there's not much in the Bible about feeling God's presence. There's a whole lot about obedience. And there's a lot about faith. And there's, there's a whole lot of Jesus saying, I'm with you. I'll be with you. There's a whole lot of, lo, I'll be with you. A lot of promises is, I'm with you. Why would he make all these promises if we could always feel him around? It's almost like he anticipated that most of us would go through life going, I don't really feel a whole lot right now, but I'm still going to obey you. And I think that's worship. Hmm. So when I saw those hands go up, I'm like, okay, I'm not alone. So that's where that book is about, to try to help people go, you're not alone. Don't abandon this thing. Don't think God doesn't exist or you're a failure. Because a lot of analytical people will walk away from the church because we've designed it a certain way. Yeah. Well, before we end, I do want to talk about Cure, because that's yep. been a, a life passion for you. And um, I'd love for people to just know a little bit more about how did Cure get started and what does your engagement with Cure look like? Yeah, it's an orthopedic surgeon who started this guy from Pennsylvania. And he was he was just encountered, he went to Africa and encountered all these kids that could be healed. Like, as a believer in Jesus, what's, what's why don't we heal them? And there are about 100 million kids around the world who have correctable disabilities. So it's stuff we could treat, these conditions. It could be neglected club foot. They're 15 and they can't walk because hmm. no one ever took care of it. And the U.S. would be taking care of lickety split. And when I heard about it, I was I, it just seemed so obvious to me, like, of course. Jesus sent out his followers, his disciples, to heal the sick hmm. and proclaim the kingdom of God. It says in Luke 9, too, like, I was just surprised there wasn't more of this going on. So these are permanent hospitals in the countries actually train new surgeons. They train nationals, the nurses, the surgeons. They're spiritual and physical. So it's all about Jesus. It's worship music in the OR. It's praying over the little kids. It's praying for their moms. They all, across these cultures, these traditional cultures that they're in, they think you have a disability because God cursed you, because mom did something wrong. She did something immoral. And that's why this child is a monster. So that's what they're up against. And we have these oases of places where we can say, welcome, we love you. Your child's not a freak. In fact, that's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Can I please hold her? Instead of running away screaming. So these moms walk through the door. They've never had somebody walk up to them and say, your child's beautiful. Can I please hold her? So that's our, our staff there's trained to do that. So whether it's the receptionist or nurse or housekeeping or a surgeon that sees them first it's like oh what a beautiful child Mm -hmm. so that's what cure does i was so turned on to that because it's just like i needed to see jesus in action that way so i visited almost all these hospitals spent a lot of time playing with them it's the sweetest thing i've ever seen so the only problem that cure has is lack of funding um and getting the word out um, it's remarkable. We do have the Tebow Cure Hospital in the Philippines um, that Tim Tebow's a part of. So that's helped get the word out some. Yeah. Chris yeah. Tomlin's on the board of Cure. People know who Chris is generally sure. in worship music. Um, but 
that's the struggle. That, and, that, and so I feel like that's what I can do. I don't have a scalpel. I can't be a surgeon, but uh, I can talk about it. And, and that's what I get to do for the cure. What's uh, the best place if, if someone's interested, where can they learn more about cure and then, and then tell them where they can connect with you as well? You can go to cure.org. And you can connect with me, Brant at cure.org is a good way to do it. But cure.org, and you can see the kids in the hospital now and their stories. We keep people updated on exactly what they're going through, where they're from, their background. And it's fascinating. Just to go through the website, it's the most fascinating website. Mm-hmm. Again, you see real time. Like, here's a little six-year-old. She just went in for surgery. She just came out. Can you please wow. pray for like, pictures of the condition, the stuff they're going through? And it costs per patient, it costs about $1,000 to pay for a life-changing surgery. So obviously I'm putting in a pitch. Like if you want to do something unbelievably awesome that's permanent for a kid and then Jesus gets the credit for it, then check out cure.org and just take care of one of these things. Yeah. Or it, it is phenomenal. And if you're an orthopedic surgeon, you want to do something awesome, you want to live somewhere and do something cool, nurses, neurosurgery, um, you're needed. And this is all about Jesus, and it's the sweetest thing you've ever seen in your life. Well, you're talking about this in the right town. This is the orthopedic capital of saw. the world. So you, we got we got a lot of, a lot of going on with orthopedics around Please, here. So orthopedic that's awesome. people make it rain equipment and make it rain money. And let's <laughs> heal kids together because this it is. There's not this is the number one provider of pediatric orthopedic surgery in the world, and it's like this best kept secret. Wow. And it needs to stop. And people need to associate Christians with this kind of work too. Like, yes, no one's healing more people with club foot in the world. Like Jesus followers are out there doing this. Um, Clef Powell, all this stuff. It's like number one, but the word's not out. This is the best expression of Jesus I've ever seen in my life. And as somebody who's analytical, skeptical, and has seen a lot, like I need to see this stuff. But this is this is phenomenal. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, sharing your story, being with our whole campus for a couple days. And You're welcome. I feel like I could just ask you question after question because I'm just <laughs> sitting over here learning and learning and learning. So I, I appreciate you being here and being willing to join us on the podcast. What an honor. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Grace Story podcast. Music was written and produced by Dr. Wally Brath, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts at Grace College. And thanks to our co-producers, Andrew Palladino and Rick Neer. And as always, if you could do a huge favor and rate or comment on the podcast, wherever you got it from, we'd be so grateful. Until next time, live your best grace story today.